Thank you for watching NTD Business coming up tonight. The Explosive Twitter Files Part 2 is out. This episode presents internal company documents on how users were shadow banned, despite Twitter repeatedly denying it. Wholesale inflation data is out today, came in hotter than expected in November, and it could affect your holiday purchases. And workers at a GM battery factory work vote on whether to unionize. How did it go and what does it mean for workers? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us, Don Ma here. Former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried said in a tweet that he's willing to testify before the House Financial Services Committee. This comes after committee chairwoman Maxine Waters said that a subpoena is on the table if Bankman-Fried does not testify willingly. Bankman-Fried had previously said that he would testify only when he found out more information about what happened at FTX. To which then Waters responded that the information he had thus far was sufficient for testimony. The former CEO tweeted today that, quote, there's a limit to what I will be able to say and, and I won't be as helpful as I like. But as the committee still thinks it would be useful, I'm willing to testify on the 13th. And the Twitter files part two is out. Part one focused on the censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story. And part two focuses on shadow banning. Shadow banning is when you secretly make it hard for people to access a certain user's content. Former New York Times columnist Barry Weiss released the second installment of the Twitter files. She explained in a series of tweets that Twitter secretly engaged in shadow banning some users. It built blacklists, it prevented certain tweets from trending, and it even limited the visibility of entire accounts. This is literally the very definition of shadow banning. And yet, Twitter executives previously denied publicly that they were doing shadow banning. In 2018, two prominent Twitter executives said they did not shadow ban and that they certainly didn't do it on political viewpoints or ideology. Former CEO Jack Dorsey also denied it under oath during a congressional hearing. Take a look at this 2018 clip of Dorsey answering questions from Republican Congressman Mike Doyle. Uh, Social media is being rigged to censor conservatives. Is that true of Twitter? No. I don't know what Twitter is up to. It sure looks like to me that they're censoring people and they ought to stop it. Uh, Are you censoring people? No. Twitter shadow banning prominent Republicans. It's bad. Is that true? No. In episode two of the Twitter files, Barry Weiss said that Stanford Dr. Jay Bhattacharya was secretly placed on a trends blacklist simply because he said lockdowns would harm children. At the same time, right-wing talk show host Dan Bongino was at one point hit with a search blacklist. And for conservative activist Charlie Kirk, Twitter set his account to do not amplify. These are just some of the many examples. Krisha Lenzo is a GOP strategist as well as the executive director of Harvard in Tech. She says this essentially validates what people have long suspected. It basically confirms everything that conservatives have been saying from the get-go. Conservatives in general have been made to feel like their voice was, you know, the voice of paranoia because they noticed that their accounts were basically not getting the exposure or the amplification that they felt that they used to have at one point or another. Dr. Robert Malone is a scientist who contributed heavily to mRNA vaccine technology. 
Malone says Twitter banned his account because it didn't like what he was saying about mRNA vaccines. Malone still hasn't gotten his account back. He says that Twitter is a weapon of war, of shaping public opinion. Fifth generation warfare is not about acquiring territory, and it's not about the use of kinetic weapons, uh, you know, guns or projectiles, cannon or whatever. But rather, it's about controlling thought. It's controlling consensus. It's uh, fifth generation warfare. What's being fought over is not territory, but it's the human mind. For years, Twitter's previous executives were allegedly using the platform to promote leftist politics and to censor conservative politics. One example is the censorship of Twitter user Libs of TikTok. Twitter repeatedly suspended the account, while internal memos explicitly said Libs of TikTok never violated any rules. Elon Musk says Twitter is working on a software update that will show people their true account status. People will be able to see if they're being shadow banned in some way, as well as the reason and how to appeal. And on the business side of Twitter, Elon Musk says he's going to remove one and a half billion Twitter accounts in the coming weeks. Early this morning, he said he'll delete accounts that haven't tweeted or logged in for years. He says getting rid of those accounts will free up usernames for current users. Musk also said he's asking adding a new feature. It'll allow you to see how many people read or interact with your tweets. Musk tweeted that Twitter is much more alive than people think, and tweets will show view counts as well in a few weeks. And moving on, according to Forbes magazine, Elon Musk is no longer the world's richest person. The number one spot on Forbes' list of real-time billionaires is now occupied by Bernard Arnault, CEO of French luxury brand LVMH. LVMH is the company behind Louis Vuitton, luxury goods, and Hennessy Cognac. According to Forbes, Musk is now worth about $183 billion, just below Arnold's estimated $186 billion. Arnold replaced Musk as the richest because the share price of Tesla has collapsed. Tesla stock is down 56% in 2022. Musk's wealth peaked in November 2021 when he was worth $320 billion. And onto Wall Street. Stocks ended lower today. The Dow posting its worst week since September. It lost 305 points or 9 tenths of a percent. S&P fell 29 points or 7 tenths of a percent. NASDAQ dropped 77 points, also 7 tenths of a percent. And wholesale prices came in hotter than expected in November. The producer price index rose 0.3% in November month over month. This is unchanged compared to October. And year over year, the PPI increased 7.4%. This is down from 8.1% in October. This month's report shows a 3.3% increase in food prices, but this was offset by a same 3.3% drop in energy costs. The producer price index is a measure of prices paid for goods and services by businesses before they reach consumers. Directionally, inflation is starting on a downward trend, but it's still increasing on a month-over-month basis. Excluding food and energy, core PPI was up 0.4% month-over-month, also higher than expected. Year-over-year, it's up 6.2%. Meanwhile, U.S. consumer sentiment improved in December, while inflation expectations eased to a 15-month low. This is according to a survey from the University of Michigan. And Christmas tree farms say this year's harvest looks good and they don't expect shortages. But Christmas trees are still going to cost you a lot more. 
It's because Christmas Farms operating costs from labor and raw materials to shipping trees to retailers have also risen over the last year. The industry group Real Christmas Tree Board in August surveyed 55 wholesale growers of Christmas trees who account for about two-thirds of the nationwide supply. They found 71% of those surveyed expect to raise the wholesale prices they charge retailers. Meanwhile, according to a Statista survey, more than two-thirds of Americans are planning to put up a Christmas tree this year. And earlier today, we spoke to a tree farm owner to get an idea of how much and why tree prices are going up this year. Here's Megan Kruger from Mistletoe Acres Tree Farm. Megan, thanks for coming on today. Now, we're seeing Christmas tree prices increasing year over year, according to some surveys, as much as 15%. So at Mistletoe Acres Tree Farm, are you seeing yourself having to uh, raise prices a bit as well this year? We have been raising prices um, slowly as the years have progressed. And there's a number of factors that lead to us raising our prices. Of course, we like to keep things reasonable for our customers um, while at the same time being able to fairly compensate our employees and our wholesalers as well. So what would you say is the biggest contributing factor for your increasing of prices? Probably one of the biggest factors driving the increase of prices is fuel. Uh, the price of fuel when we locked in our, price, our tree sales from our wholesalers this year was $7 a gallon for diesel. Um, so that was back in July. And because of that and because of our delivery for our pre-cut trees, we kind of had to, you know, compensate on our end so we can make sure we can keep the farm going and invest every year. Another factor was probably uh, the cost of minimum wage going up, which is fantastic. Uh, all of our employees should be fairly compensated. But again, because of that, that did drive some of our tree prices up as well. And our wholesale prices went up anywhere between 10 and 50% this year. Um, so we kind of had to find a really good balance, again, between making our products accessible for our customers, but also being able to support you know, this ecosystem that is our tree farm. So earlier you mentioned labor costs, you mentioned fuel. Maybe just go into detail a little bit more. What actually goes into growing a tree? Absolutely. Um, so for the choose and cut trees that we grow here, we have to have our soil analyzed. So bringing in analysts costs money. Um, we also fertilize, there's pest control, weed control, all of that requires fueling and maintaining, maintaining our equipment. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, and, you know, shearing and pruning trees. And it takes about seven years for one tree to grow. Um, so, you know, it's seven years of putting in our love and energy and our dollars as well um, before the tree can even be cut down. And then we have to wait another seven years before that crop is replenished. So it's time intensive and cost intensive for sure. Now, what do you think it would take for you to be able to actually lower prices for your, for your trees? Uh, that's really hard to say. I think we would have to see a drop in fuel prices. I think we would have to see, um, you know, some changes through our wholesale wholesalers, we do love them and we appreciate everything they do and we understand why their costs have, have had to go up as well. Um, but I think that, um, you know, I, I don't see that happening in the foreseeable future, unfortunately. It seems like all the Christmas tree retailers are within the same price range. So um, if other retailers drop their prices, of course, we would want to as well. Um, and we do have, you know, a range of prices as well to offer to our customers. So they're not all super expensive trees. Um, you know, it depends on quality, species of the tree, um, size of the tree as well. But but yeah, I mean, we, we always have hope for the future that our prices can be reduced slightly. We'll see what happens. 
Yeah. Well, let's, let's just end on a lighter note with all the inflation talk. For our viewers, do you have any uh, tree picking tips? Yeah, honestly, um, probably the best tree that I've had experience with is Fraser fir tree. So we always recommend that very highly to our customers. It has great needle retention. So if you are someone that's looking to put your tree up prior to Thanksgiving, it'll certainly last, um, mine lasts till New Year's every year. Make sure uh, when you touch the branches, there aren't a lot of needles falling off. Make sure that you keep it watered regularly and in a room that the temperature isn't too high and you should have a great tree that lasts you throughout the season. Well, all right, Megan Kruger, Mistletoe Tree Farms. Thanks again, happy holidays. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Happy holidays to you as well. The Altium Cells EV battery plant near Cleveland has voted by an overwhelming margin to unionize. NTT Shar Marshall has details. Workers at a General Motors LG Energy Battery Cell Factory in Northeast Ohio overwhelmingly voted 710 to 16 to join the United Auto Workers. A labor union representing workers in auto, aircraft, and agricultural implement manufacturing and other industries in the U.S. Democratic Senator Debbie Stabenow said on Twitter the vote was great news. We're not only bringing jobs home to America, they're good-paying union jobs. Car industry expert Lauren Fix filled me in on what a union can mean for Ohio workers. And of course, union jobs typically pay more, but what they forget when they take these jobs is the union dues that takes a big chunk of their paycheck. It happened here with Starbucks, too. Everyone wanted Starbucks to go union. It started here in Buffalo. All these people, we, you want to go union, union, union. Except for one thing. They forgot about the union dues. So. GM and LG Energy are considering an Indiana site for a fourth U.S. battery plant. They're building a $2.6 billion plant in Michigan set to open in 2024. Fix gave me an idea of why the U.S. factories will be significant for GM. The reason that General Motors is building batteries here in the U.S. rather than in China where, or other countries where they have before is because of the new infrastructure plan that passed in 2021, stating that if you want to have that $7,500 tax credit available to consumers, that vehicle has to be built in the U.S. It also has to have a battery from the U.S. In July, the U.S. Energy Department said it intended to lend Altium $2.5 billion to help finance new manufacturing facilities. Sources told Reuters the loan could be finalized as soon as next week. Last week, GM Chief Executive Mary Barra expressed support for the unionizing Ohio plant. Barra told reporters Thursday she wanted to get a labor agreement as soon as possible if Ohio workers voted in favor and said, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that if you're union, you're more expensive. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And the Food and Drug Administration gives fast-track designation to a combination of flu and COVID vaccine shot. Officials with Pfizer and BioNTech made the announcement today. A fast-track designation speeds up the development and reviewing of a drug needed to fight serious health threats. Last month, Pfizer said the first phase of the vaccine's trial began. Pfizer and BioNTech say this two-in-one vaccine will help protect Americans from both viruses. Asset manager Vanguard is pulling out of a major initiative on climate change. It marks a setback for efforts to organize industries to move away from fossil fuels. Vanguard is the world's biggest mutual fund manager, managing about $7 trillion of assets. The Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative was launched two years ago. It says its mission is to support the goal of net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050 or sooner. 
It has about 290 signatories with some $66 trillion in assets under management. In a statement about the withdrawal, Vanguard said initiatives like NZAM can create confusion. Instead, it wants to, quote, speaks independently on matters of importance to our investors. Top investors, including Vanguard, face mounting pressure from Republican lawmakers over their use of environmental, social and governance, or ESG factors in picking and managing securities. Another big asset manager, BlackRock, has said it remains part of NCAM. And Nigeria is set to begin limiting cash withdrawals from ATMs to just $45 a day as the country moves towards its goal of becoming a cashless economy and embraces digital currency. Maximum weekly cash withdrawals from ATMs are also said to be capped at $225. Third-party checks above $112 will also not be eligible for payment over the counter. Previously, limits on daily cash withdrawals were around $300 for individuals and over $1,000 for businesses. The new limits on withdrawals will take effect across Nigeria on January 9, 2023. Nigeria's central bank launched its digital currency in October last year. But most citizens have yet to embrace it. According to Bloomberg, less than 0.5% of Nigerians are using it one year after its launch. And taking a short break now. But if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, tips on how to make sure the gifts you're buying are safe for the people you're giving them to. And the world's largest gadget show expected to be even larger this year. We take a sneak peek. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Turkish fast delivery company Getir has completed its purchase of German rival Gorillas in a deal worth $1.2 billion. The Financial Times reports that the deal valued the combined group at $10 billion. German grocery delivery app Gorillas was founded in 2020. Gorillas has tripled the size of its business since last year when it raised $900 million. But the app has not been profitable amid an uncertain economic outlook. Quick delivery apps are seeing an increase in mergers largely due to high costs. Companies have to pay couriers and rent space for distribution hubs in city centers in order to get groceries to customers swiftly. And once again, it's that time of year, the chance to share holiday treats. Wise Voter dug up some data on America's favorite Christmas treats and found this year will be a cheesy one. The results show a majority of U.S. states favor cheesecake as their top Christmas treat, followed by sugar cookies. Montana and North Dakota are unique in choosing cinnamon rolls as their preferred Christmas treat, while Alaska, North Carolina, and Oregon went with a sweet drink instead, with eggnog as their top pick. Hot chocolate is a top favorite across the country as well, making the list for most states in their top five favorites. And as you shop this holiday season, a reminder from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, make sure the gifts and toys you're buying are safe for those you're giving them to. Here's more on how to make sure your presents don't pose a danger. 
It's the season for giving, but the wrong gift can be dangerous. We want you to have a safe holiday season and not end up in the emergency room. The latest report from the Consumer Product Safety Commission found there were more than 152,000 toy-related ER-treated injuries to children younger than 15 years old last year. The injuries included lacerations, contusions, and abrasions to the child's face and head. There were also two deaths. That fatalities were associated with choking on a small part and also supplicating on a plush toy that was added to an unsafe sleep environment. The report shows non-motorized scooters so continued to be the category of toy that led to the most injuries in children under 15. If you choose a riding toy such as a scooter, bicycle, skateboard, be sure to also include the safety gear that goes along with it. That includes a well-fitting helmet and other pads. When it comes to children under three, keep small balls and toys with small parts as well as button batteries out of reach. Instead, choose age-appropriate toys. It's so important that you choose age-appropriate toys. The best way to do that is to look at the age labeling on the product packaging and use that as a guide. Once the gifts are opened, also be sure to discard any plastic wrappings or packaging on toys so young children don't play with them. And another danger for younger children is deflated balloons. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission says to keep them away from children younger than eight as they can pose a suffocation danger if ingested. And Christie's London will hold an auction next week of valuable books and manuscripts. High-profile items include a military letter from King Henry VIII and a sheet of music handwritten by Mozart at the age of 17. So this is a letter by King Henry VIII uh, written in July 1530. Um, it's signed at the top of the letter, Henry R, and the rest of the letter is in the hand of a scribe um, who will be encamped with Henry in his first invasion of France. We are also offering an autographed manuscript in the hand of Mozart. Um, and the extraordinary thing about any autographed manuscript really is the, is the power it retains over us to present the human behind the reputation of some of the world's most important historical figures. In this rare war letter, Henry reveals his strategy for the battle. He calls on his lieutenant to occupy a town in northern France and to recruit German mercenaries to fight for the English. The letter was valued at thirty dollars to $40,000, and Mozart's manuscript was written to celebrate a family-friend's college graduation. It features the opening 15 bars of the second movement of the serenade in D major for orchestra. It has a price tag of over $100,000. Other auction highlights include a personal letter from composer Felix Mendelssohn, among others. And organizers of Las Vegas CES say 2023's edition is said to be 50% larger than the pandemic-stricken 2022 gathering. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on the world's largest gadget show. Surrounded by the unmissable. The Consumer Technology Association expects 100,000 attendees. Automobile tech, the metaverse, and cryptocurrencies are expected to be top trends. Around a month before the event's opening, the CTA provided a sneak peek. CES is just a month or so away, and the momentum is absolutely huge. I've never seen anything like this. People are talking about it. The buzz is there. They just want to be back together with each other. Kinsey Fabrizio is the SVP of membership and CES sales. 
She said the show floor will span over 2 million net square feet, making it at least 50% larger than 2022's gathering. We are talking with members and exhibitors every day. Major brands like Bosch and Google and Amazon, LG, Microsoft and Samsung, and they are all coming to CES 2023. Web3 is a new product category at CES. It could be the precursor to a new kind of internet. Now this will encompass technologies from the metaverse, digital assets, and blockchain. And it will be throughout the show floor and conference programming. You'll see it show up with shared immersive and virtual experiences, as well as the hardware associated with these categories. In early January, thousands gathered in Las Vegas for CES 2022. But the event was scaled back because of pandemic precautions. A number of big tech companies pulled out ahead of the show amid concerns about the rapid spread of the Omicron variant. Some still participated digitally. We know what happened uh, last January. This January, all indications are a lot of flights are coming in from around the world. There are special flights. The airlines have uh, discounts that are available on our website. Uh, people will be coming here en masse in different ways. CES is set to open on January 5th after two days of media previews. Andrew Thomas. NTD News. And that's all the stories we have today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next week.